Welcome to Solar Tech Talk, where we invite on Baywari manufacturing partners and industry professionals to geek out about the latest solar energy technology and policy. I'm Aaron Bingham, product manager with Baywari Solar Systems. I'm here with Tierney Marsh. Tierney, how are you? How's it going? I'm good, Aaron. Nice to be on here. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, you know, we we did our last show with Kate last month, and we were very sad to say goodbye, but we're absolutely interested in getting some new blood into the show. Um, well, nobody can fill Kate's shoes because she's awesome, but I'll do my best. Um, maybe tell our uh, viewers and listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm here because you said that we get to geek out about solar. So I'm a total solar nerd, and that is why I am here. I'm a strategic account manager here at Baywa. So I deal in sales and work with specific clients to get their forecasted products when they need them, where they need them, that kind of thing. Um, but this is actually my 11th year in the solar industry. And uh, I've worn a lot of different hats during that time. So I was with a residential installer for about five years. I did a good stint doing utility scale development projects. And now I'm here in distribution. And it's so much fun to be able to learn the different uh, ins and outs of those the different fields in solar. Because, man, this solar coaster, you just got to keep riding it. Fantastic. Well, I'm sure everyone's really excited to meet you, Tierney. We are very, very excited to have you today, and we've got some really exciting topics to go over. So today we wanted to take a few moments to get an update from Carter over at Kelsa. He is going to tell us the latest in a quick two to three minute recap of what's going on with the NIM 3.0 conversation, debate, discussion, policy out in California. And then we're also going to catch up with him to hear what's the latest with the fight in California regarding uh, solar energy contractors licensing requirements. There's a conversation around whether or not C46 license holders should be able to install PV plus storage systems. And Carter's going to give us an update on that as well. I'm excited. Carter is a wealth of knowledge about all these different resources. And it's so important to think and keep an eye on what's going on in California, because everything in California, they're, you know, they're the front runners for the industry a lot of the time, right? They kind of lead in numbers in terms of installations, um, whether that's residential, commercial, what have you. Um, but they also kind of lead in policy. So a lot of states are kind of looking to California to see what's going to come next. So we got to make sure that, you you know, if, if California is thinking about killing net energy metering, that they don't get very far with that, because that's going to have a huge impact, not only for California installers, but for installers all across the country. Hey, Carter, how are you? Hey, Aaron, uh, pretty good. We're uh, getting close to a net metering initial decision. So, you know, pretty excited. Yeah. Tierney and I wanted to reach out to you to try to get an update on where things stand with NEM 3.0 and with other issues that are coming up in California's uh, legislative body. What, what can you tell us about the latest with the renewable energy politics in California? Yeah. So we are in a very exciting time. Um, so to recap, December 10th, just coming around the corner, is when the California Public Utility Commission puts out their initial decision on the future of net metering under the NEM3, net metering 3 rule set. 
Uh, this has been years in the making, uh, final decisions in January. And, you know, what they're talking about is things that could potentially shrink the solar market in California by 5% or by like 80%. On December 10th, we are going to find out if they are doing things like putting a, you know, 90 something dollar a month fee on any residential solar project and lowering net metering value by about 75%. You know, something that would put even a typical, you know, 7KW project underwater uh, and make it unfinanceable. They're they're going to announce that or if they're going to do something else entirely. So that's pretty intense. You know, a pretty key time that we're coming across and where we're at right now is an interesting part of it. This is the part where the utility experts have put in their proposal and said, hey, state of California, like they'd like to destroy the solar industry and here's all their math and reasoning why. Uh, we as the California Solar and Storage Association, we put in our counter proposal explaining that that is a bad idea and they shouldn't do it and here's all of our math and there's why. And that was the part where the kind of the judges are reviewing everything and now is the part where we just all get very loud and very political. Uh, and so now is the part where it's just kind of everyone in the industry has a responsibility to step up and be heard. I think it's a good part. It's an empowering part. It is not the part where you say, oh, we have to wait for like the dueling experts to do their thing. Like, no, now is the part where like talk to everyone, you know, get really loud. Get the message out there. The December 10th decision, the NEM3 future is anyone who doesn't have solar yet and is thinking about getting solar in the next, you know, 10 years, because uh, there, there is no NEM4. Like this is, this is the rule. These are the rules that's going to dictate this market. Anyone who would like to sell those systems to those people and anyone who would like to supply the materials and finance it to those folks. So if you think, man, I care about the California solar market in 2024, this, you know, this directly impacts you. Uh, if you're an existing solar customer, you're good. Uh, you probably do care about other people getting the thing that you have. Uh, you probably want that too. And you know, if you're someone who likes things like clean air, a stable grid, a climate we can all depend on, this also impacts you. And what what can you tell me about the the high level bullet points that folks should keep in mm -hmm. mind as they're as they're out there making sure that everyone that they know is aware of what's on the line here? If you're just like you know at the bar talking to whoever and they say, oh, you're in solar, how's it going? The thing is saying. The state of California is on the cusp of potentially you know, destroying this market, that the Utility Commission and Governor Newsom have the ability to intervene and save solar, uh, that they have not taken the steps yet to actually save solar or do this, and therefore they need to hear from everybody that they need to step in. We all need to get loud. Anyone who's ever said, oh, yeah, solar is nice, needs to fill out the uh, public comment on SaveCaliforniaSolar.org uh, so that they are heard, so that uh, our political leaders and the regulators who enact their positions you know, actually take the actions to defend and uh, support this industry. You know, we can get into the math about like how catastrophic these fees would be. And I, I recommend for a lot of the residential solar installers out there, take a recent quote you did, add a hundred dollar a month fee, uh, lower the credit your customers get for their power by about 75%. See what that does to your quote. Uh, you know, I've, I've had installers send me quotes uh, up to, I've seen a 10 kilowatt system that does not make any economic sense anymore. The bad news is we are under huge threat. The good news is um, if we get loud and if we get people to weigh in, we will win. We just have to do that work. So to make sure that folks in our industry are not shouting into the wind, who do we need to be reaching out to, Carter? Who do we need to get in touch with yeah. to make sure that these proposals do not become law? 
absolute top target is Governor Gavin Newsom. Uh, it is his utility commission that is making this decision. Uh, and so if you're only going to make one call, if you're only going to send one email, if you're only going to do one thing, it's Gavin Newsom, save solar. The great news is if you go to savecaliforniasolar.org, uh, there's a petition there, fill it out. Uh, it's a public comment form, fill that out and we'll do it. You or anyone listening to this, uh, all you need to do is just get people to savecaliforniasolar.org. We'll take the rest from there. Uh, your job is bring as many people as you can into that funnel so that when we come and deliver the petitions to both the Utility Commission and Gavin Newsom, uh, we have it all together, all in one spot, all these folks from all across the state uh, who have spoken out that we have that all aggregated together for a big old delivery. Yeah, that's a great resource. And I'm, I'm so happy that Kelsa's out there putting together things like SaveCaliforniaSolar.org to make sure that everyone who's trying to advocate for our industry can do so from the same page. Yeah, Carter Lavin, Director of Membership for Kelsa. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. It's great to get that update from Carter. I'm, I'm definitely worried about some of the decisions that are being made at a policy level in, in California. And I and I hope that with CALSA at the table, we're able to see a, a NEM 3.0 policy passed that makes sense for solar energy customers and uh, solar energy um, advocates, people who think that we should be creating as much green energy as, as we can. Agreed. It's really important that we work together to strive for a greener future, because how else are we going to keep enjoying the wonders that is this planet? So I'm excited to jump into our next conversation. We spoke with Devin Wilson, the commercial director for BYD, and Mike Mahone, the senior technical trainer for SMA America. These two organizations have teamed up to create a really awesome AC battery solution, and I think we should just jump in and learn more about it. Let's do it. So Devin, Mike, thank you so much for joining us today. I've got some questions for you. Let's go ahead and jump in. I'm And Devin, I'm going to start with you. Just from the, the get-go, give me an idea of what BYD's design philosophy is and generally like what your engineering principles are. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a great question, actually. Our, our design philosophy, which you th see throughout our products globally, is building a really robust and modular battery. We use LFP, which is, we believe, the better chemistry for stationary storage, but it's it's a little bigger and heavier than the other storages, so or the other chemistries. So what we do to, to kind of mitigate that is we use a modular design philosophy where the battery breaks into pieces. So that helps in two ways. One, that makes it very easy to install because you're carrying these smaller pieces to site and you're stacking them up. And then the second aspect is it affords flexibility. So we can get different size products from the same parts. So it's uh, you'll see that kind of throughout all the products we offer. It's one of our core principles. And um, for your battery box line, can you give us an idea of how the HV and the HVL solutions are different? Yeah, definitely another good question. So it's really capacity. So they, they look very similar and they, and they both have that modular design. The HV goes from five to 10 kilowatt hours. So kind of on the smaller side and the HVL goes from 12 up to 32 kilowatt hours. So that's our bigger bigger size range. And actually the L stands for large, so that makes it a little easier. So they're complementary products and that they don't overlap in size and, and they allow you to kind of pick the right size that works for your customer. Oh, great. So. I have another question that's popping into my mind as you're saying this. Are these things going to be backwards compatible? Can we mix and match these two different product lines? We would have loved to do that, but there's uh, there's some reasons we didn't. First off is we use a, a serial high voltage connection. That means as you're stacking these modules on, it's creating a serious connection between modules. So as a result, each module needs to have the same capacity inside of it. And they have different capacities. So our 
HV is about 2.5 kilowatt hours per, per box. And our new HVL is about four kilowatt hours per box. And then a very practical one, we shrunk the footprint of, of our new product. So even though it's bigger, it's actually a little bit smaller dimensionally. And so they just can't physically interact as well. So the answer, the short answer is no, but for uh, for some very good reasons. Alrighty. And then are there any other accessories that we should be know about with these products? So on the battery side, no. Uh, you know, our battery sits behind the inverter and the inverter may have a couple accessories, definitely uh, in SMA's case, the ABU, which helps with the backup use case. But on the battery side, you know, you're just doing DC wiring to the inverter and then communications wiring as well as a ground. So it's a very simple connection to the inverter and there's no added components on the, uh, on the battery side. Well, that seems to segue pretty well into the questions that I've got for Mike. Mike, can you talk about how this battery connects to the home? Most definitely. So the Sunny Boy Storage is our residential battery inverter. It can connect to up to three different batteries. So you had asked Devin about the differences between the HV and HVL and if they were um, kind of interchangeable in terms of the storage bricks. They aren't in a single stack, but you can have an HV and an HVL connect to the same Sunny Boy storage because those battery connections are independent. Uh, So you have some flexibility there. The Sunny Boy storage with one up to three batteries can act as a grid interactive storage device for time of use arbitrage and connect to the grid as an AC coupled inverter, like a PV inverter, or most customers that we talk to want, obviously they're spending a lot of money on a battery system. They want backup capability. They want that inverter to be able to work when the grid fails. So the accessory that allows that is the automatic backup unit. So while not required for the Sunny Boy storage and the batteries to work, it is we see a very high attach rate. (laughs) And so that then has the isolation device for a faulted grid can communicate to the Sunny Boy storage, which would be downstream of it, that we have safely isolated the system from a faulted grid. You can actually become a grid forming inverter, use these batteries to use the energy in these batteries to provide uh, 60 Hertz, 240 volt waveform, bring the protected loads panel up. And if there is AC coupled PV, have access to that as well for providing for loads or to recharge the batteries. That's fantastic. And do customers that are interested in enabling the backup features need anything besides the ABU in order to have their system successfully um, operating during a grid outage? No, the ABU, it's not a very exciting looking box, but it does contain everything needed to uh, safely form a microgrid. So it has everything a customer would need. Yeah. And when customers already have a PV system that's attached to their to their site, to their home, how can they go about integrating the PV system that's already there with the um, backup solution they're getting through the SBS and the BYD? So there are a lot of choices. Uh, the ABU itself, there is a 50 amp circuit breaker provided for direct AC output of a PV inverter. Uh, there's not an electrical requirement that the system tied to that breaker. It's just provided for convenience. The PV breaker could remain in the protected loads panel downstream of the ABU. The main isolation device in the ABU is rated at 200 amps. So sometimes homeowners will just leave their main panel (laughs) behind the ABU. And then they have the existing PV system. They don't need to move a breaker. If they are going to create a protected loads panel, uh, they could move the PV breaker to that protected loads panel again, or tie it into the 50 amp circuit breaker provided in the ABU, whatever is more convenient. The limit we had mentioned for the ABU is 9.6 kilowatts of PV power. 
that is really sized so that the Sunny Boy storage, if when in backup mode, there's a need to control throttle down that PV production, that it has the speed to be able to safely do that. I think only there's only a consideration if a customer has a much larger PV system. If that is broken up into multiple inverters, then it's pretty easy to subdivide. Some can remain in front of the ABU and some can be accessible in backup. When the grid fails, the stuff in front of the ABU will go dark, but you can still have that, you know, tailor up to the 9.6 kilowatts for backup operation. There are a lot of options <laughs> for tying in that PV. All right, Mike, I've got another question for you. Yeah. Um, could you speak to the design philosophy for SMA? What are your guys' engineering guidelines? I think as it relates to the Sunny Boy storage, you can see we've had an off-grid residential battery inverter for many years that was uh, focused on AC coupling. Sunny Boy storage, similarly, to provide flexibility for potentially being able to decouple the PV design and the battery size design. So while it might take additional hardware and inverter for the battery and the PV side, having that flexibility to have system installers be able to decide how much storage is appropriate, how much battery capacity may be needed uh, in conjunction with how much PV capacity may be appropriate for the site. So kind of that flexibility, even if it might require an extra piece of hardware or two, uh, we're aiming for, I think, uh, the maximum flexibility for homeowners and designers. Um, what would you say is are, are some of the most common types of applications that you see um, customers who are using the SBS and BYD using them for? Like, what what applications would you say are, are most prevalent? Definitely, I think backup is what we have customers ask the most for. Uh, while you can do, you know, peak shaving or time of use uh, arbitrage, it definitely backup seems to be the uh, the real big question. And having the Battery box premium HVL now with going up to 96 kilowatt hours per system. That is definitely a common question we get in the Southeast. You know, people have storms where they expect to be out of power for a while. Hopefully the storm hasn't damaged any PV system they have, but you never know. Um, so definitely having that ability to have a large amount of storage and that backup capability is definitely the hot button items for our customers. So I have a lot of installers who are coming to me, you know, they've installed a system with Sunny by storage, you know, maybe they want to upgrade their system, upsize their system. Is that an option? What can we do here? It's most definitely an option. The uh, Sunny Boy storage offers the flexibility to have one, two, or three batteries directly attached to each inverter. So if a customer has started with the BYD battery box HV, they had a 10 kilowatt hour battery there. They thought, okay, this will probably be enough for the use cases that, that I want to ride through. Uh, now with SMA's energy app, there's really very nice visibility for a customer to kind of see power flows as the system is operating. If they have some experience with that, using the energy app, see those power flows, maybe go through an outage, actually see how the system works for them. Hopefully they haven't added a bunch of loads to the protected loads panel, but whatever the reason, <laughs> if they decide they want to add a little more capacity to their system, having those extra inputs for the batteries on the Sunny Boy storage does provide quite a bit of flexibility. And now with the Battery Box Premium HVL, that's a lot more capacity they can add to each input to the Sunny Boy storage. Well, I think that's a really great thing. Um, I know that, you know, my parents, when they went solar, they were like, all right, we're going to want an EV in the future. Like, let's upsize our system a little bit. Yep. Um, so they upsized it to where they were. And then two years later, they were like, wow, we're using a lot more AC. Why am I running into my limits? So I feel like the same situation could kind of come up around oh, yeah. batteries. So that's really cool that you can keep adding onto your system. Yeah, no, there's really nice flexibility. Can you guys give me an idea? Who's the ideal customer for this solution? And Devin, I'm going to ask you to go first. 
Yeah, so from a battery perspective, you know, we have a battery that can be installed indoors and outdoors and in a huge range of temperatures. So what we try to create is a battery that, that works for every customer. Couple that with the big size range, you know, we can have customers who only need a little bit of storage. Maybe they're doing some rate arbitrage or maybe they just want to back up just the critical stuff. Or we can have a huge amount of storage, as Mike talked about with the Sunnyway storage, 96 kilowatt hours. That's, that's more than... I hope most residential customers need. So um, from a battery perspective, it really works for the whole gamut of customers, for sure. Cool. And Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I think kind of the, what I see kind of a step away from sales is people who are in areas that are you know, expecting storms, looking for backup as their primary use case. Um, but also then obviously out in California, if you have public safety power shutoffs, people are dealing with utility outages, you know, for another reason, but that kind of people looking for a little more security and not expecting the grid to always be there, a little bit of backup capacity. The size may vary, but I think, yeah, I, I see a lot of the requests as backup. I, I wanted to shift gears a little bit and make sure that anyone who's listening or, or watching is aware of any important system limitations that um, need to be abided by when, um, when installing this solution. That's a great question. Kind of, we've, we've talked about the capacity for the ABU and the isolation device, and that is a 200 amp contactor. So, if you're just looking at spec sheet, that might on a homeowner's mind be, oh my God, you know, whole home backup. And, and then understanding that with that, the ABU would be paired with the Sunny Boy storage grid tied, that's either a five or six kilowatt. AC output. When in backup mode, there is surge capacity. Uh, the six kilowatt unit can go to 76, 80 watts for one minute and 9,300 for a few hundred milliseconds. So there's surge capacity there. But again, being cognizant of those, if there are well pumps, certain motors, they want to be able to operate in backup mode. There is quite a bit of surge capacity in this device, but check those numbers. And then sizing the battery capacity, obviously, what loads do they have? You know, there's a lot of flexibility there. And then I would say when they're designing the system, if there's a pre-existing PV system, kind of understanding that we have that 9.6 kilowatt AC PV coupled into the microgrid limitation. So those few things, you know, making sure they're not confused by seeing spec sheet 200 amp, you know, I just, I can put anything on this backup. Um, and then if there is a really, really large customer in terms of power demands off grid, that the ABU pairs with a single Sunny Boy storage. And when that, ABU isolates from the grid, it's going to send a command signal to the Sunny Boy storage to be able to form a microgrid, but that's a one-to-one. -one. So having two Sunny Boy storages behind one ABU doesn't work. So if there's a customer who really wants to run everything uh, when in backup mode, they might have to set it up where there's an ABU, Sunny Boy storage, and some batteries that can, each set can back up a loads panel, but they need to understand that construction and how the power flows. And same question to you, Devin. Is there anything you know that customers should keep in mind as they're selling or operating these systems on a regular basis? Yeah, definitely. So all the stuff Mike talked about really is interaction with the home and, and grid and whatnot. On, on the battery side, an important thing to keep in mind is, is the range of sizes you can achieve behind an inverter. Sometimes you'll see kind of information on our data sheet about the possible range of, of battery sizes. It's really dictated by what arrangements are compatible inverters can handle. And that deals with input voltage to the, to the DC inputs. So specifically with the Sunny Boy storage, you can have from a 16 kilowatt hour up to a 32 kilowatt hour battery. And so 
that's a, a four module up to an eight module configuration. So someone may look at it and say, why don't I stack up nine modules? Or why don't I just have a single module? I just want a really tiny system. It has to do with voltage and the voltage of the system. So it's important that we adhere to those limits that are set and, and communicated really well by the Baywa team. I'll, I'll say just, it's important that as an installer, you understand that's not a recommendation per se, that's a technical requirement. All right, so Devin, what's the latest news? What have you got for us? Well, we're very excited about this new battery system we're releasing. It's fully compatible with SMA and it's got the certifications, meaning you can go out and install it right now. Uh, additionally, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of changes out in the in the, the world of AHJs and permitting and requirements and, and electrical codes. And one of the things we see is that some areas, especially California, are putting limits on how much battery you can install indoors. And it's rapidly changing right now. But one of the big advantages of our product is, is there is this wide size range. And, and one of the limits that starts is started to come up in a lot of places is 20 kilowatt hours. So 20 kilowatt hours being the max you can put indoors. Fortunately, we have an exactly 20 kilowatt hour size battery. And then you have the ability to pair multiple batteries on the on the uh, same way storage, and you can put maybe one inside and one outside if you wanted to. So with that flexibility, it allows you to work around maybe local requirements wherever you are installing this very easily. Um, and Mike, what's the latest news from SMA? I, I would say one thing I had mentioned and I want to make sure folks are aware of is uh, the SMA Energy app. We have just updated for all of North America what used to be just our sunny portal, our monitoring portal app. So the energy app is a vast improvement and my very biased opinion to that uh, and allows for, especially when we're talking about systems with PV and storage, a really, really nice visibility for the homeowner into exactly where all of the electrons are flowing. And I think a, a very, very nice uh, update to uh, kind of a, a long in the tooth app. So I'm very happy that has arrived and it's available for Android and iOS. So um, spread the word, please. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Congratulations on that. That's a big win for your team. You know, I'd like to uh, I'd like to take a moment to introduce a new segment that we're doing called In the Weeds, where we invite our manufacturing partners to take us a little bit deeper than we would normally go just, you know, talking product and technology. And Mike, you've got a place to take us in the weeds. So tell us what's I think, up. I think I do. Um, in the discussion of the Sunny Boy storage, we had mentioned, you know, there's an AC coupled PV limit. And I had mentioned while we might recommend a Sunny Boy, that's, there are reasons beyond just SMA loyalty there. Um, the Sunny Boy storage, when it is told by the control board in the ABU that it's safe to be able to be a microgrid forming device, create that 240 volt, 60 hertz waveform, if there is at that point any time where the Sunny Boy storage sees that there is not a need for the PV power that is being produced, uh, the loads are being met and there's no charging need, it needs to control that PV power. It will always be able to do that via something called frequency shift power control. In backup mode, the inverter is the grid former. It controls that 60 hertz. It doesn't have to be 60 hertz, but that's its nominal. So it can increase that frequency to knock off the production from PV inverters. So that can work with any, any manufacturer. The first thing the Sunny Boy storage will do though, when it sees that it doesn't need PV, it will actually send out via its communication channel, a active power set point. And if there are SMA inverters listening on that communication channel, they will see that exact set point and move to it. So it's a far more elegant and more quick, in fact, um, a very elegant way to then throttle the PV production to write what 
the system needs rather than having to just raise frequency to knock off PV production. So um, very esoteric, but uh, yeah, definitely there, there is some magic, not magic, but there, there's some extra um, sophistication there in the Sunny Boy storage. When it sees that there's extra production on its microgrid, it can actively ask any SMA inverter that's listening to a throttle power to a specific set point. I don't know, Mike, sounds like magic to me. <laughs> So, so was that off in the weeds enough? I, I, I don't usually quick. get a question like that. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was plenty off in the weeds and it's a great feature set. So you're basically saying that the, the Sunny Boy storage kind of has a, a shortcut path to communicate more directly with any other SMA inverters that are on site and attached to that yep. same ABU. And it enables the system to be more responsive and to make sure that the PV is meeting the needs of the of the of the greater system more immediately. Yep. I also have a maybe less off in the weeds sort of thing to talk about, but I can, Let's I go can there. dive in as well. We get a lot of questions from customers who say, uh, kind of a dual question. Can I take my battery down to zero? And will I damage my battery if I take it down to zero? They kind of want to be able to utilize the whole battery, but they also don't want to cause a problem. And a lot of customers throw this term, am I going to brick my battery, right? And so one of the important things to remember is, is these products are, they're compatible. And, and that means many things about the technical compatibility, but it also means software compatibility and just strategy as far as how the battery and inverter work together. So yes, when you have your inverter, your SMA inverter connected to your BYD battery, you can run that thing all the way down to zero. Have some confidence though, because there's reserves that are kind of kept away from you, little reserves that you don't have access to, which means, yeah, the, the grid's out, you run your battery all the way down to zero from your perspective. There's still energy left in the battery. It's still able to power the inverter, still able to power the inverter when the sun comes back up. And even if the grid isn't on, so it can go find that PV and turn it on and, and get the mini grid kind of up and running. So these are very advanced systems that are designed to work really well together and, and protect themselves, right? Um, you're, you're not going to run into a situation with a BYD battery where you just accidentally use a bit too much energy and you cause a problem. No, the system's designed to protect itself. And so customers can have a lot of confidence that they're protected uh, from in situations like that and from a long-term outlook, you know, the system's designed to treat itself really well. So it'll last a long time. You know, we have a 10 year warranty and the expectation is this product will last 15 more years, you know, so it's, it's designed to go a long distance. I think that brings up an interesting topic that, you know, I, I imagine a lot of folks hopefully don't encounter, but are curious about, and that's how do SMA and BYD work together when there is a, a product issue, right? Um, you've got two different products from two different manufacturers. And, you know, what could happen in one of those situations is a bit of finger pointing where the customer and the installer are kind of left in the middle. Um, so what, what does that flow look like for customer service for these two products together? Um, yeah, Kevin, do you want to? Yeah, definitely. That's a really great question. So let's let's even step back even before, let's say there's not a problem. Let's just say you're installing the equipment and you have, you have two manufacturers equipment and you're trying to install it. Um, well, there's a couple of things that go on. One is that our service teams communicate. They're going to back channel communication. That's separate from your service case. It's just education about the two products. Un you know, we try to understand, our team has to understand the inverter and how it works and how it's installed. And same with the inverter service team. So right away, when you call one of our teams, 
it's not just a simple, well, that's an inverter question, hang up, call them and, and talk to them. You know, we can, we can kind of extend beyond our product, which help, really helps with the, uh, with the commissioning process, right? Oftentimes you'll just call one of the teams, they'll be able to give you a quick answer about the other product. Then when we, when we do run into a service issue, that back channel communication comes into play. You'll always find that if you are working with one of the teams, there's gonna be maybe an email or a phone call going on in the background, uh, just checking to say, hey, we're working with this customer, I uh, wanted to verify that everything looked good on the battery side or something like that. And then a response, yep, we, you know, we, we can verify it all looks good. So, so proceed with your investigation. So very much it is two different companies, two different manufacturers with two different pieces of hardware, but there's a lot of uh, uh, communication, a lot of coordination that goes on on the service side. So what we don't see is finger pointing. We work together to identify where the problem is, replace or repair or, or make corrections to the installation and, and get the customer going. I really like that. Partnership is really big here at Baywa, and it sounds like you guys are partnering together, which makes me really happy that we're partnering with you. Uh, Mike, did you have anything to add to that? No, I think that was a great answer and totally true. Kind of that the ability for, you have a very smart battery that is sending information to the inverter. Both service teams really can see this and having them work together to support customers is just a great use of all that information. Cool. Well, it sounds like this system does a lot of things. I have a question for you, though. A lot of folks are interested in pairing a generator with their system. Can the system do that? So that is one thing that is not kind of in the scope of devices behind the ABU. Having a generator is part of the microgrid that the Sunny Boy Storage forms. Uh, so that would be something that would need to be kind of separated for backup. Maybe that takes the heavy loads, but that would be on a different panel than what the ABU backs up. Uh, or potentially if customers really strongly want to integrate that, um, we might be talking about the SMA Sunny Island product instead of the Sunny Boy storage. But uh, for the Sunny Boy storage, like you say, the, the generator would remain kind of outside of the backup microgrid uh, that the Sunny Boy storage would form. Cool. Well, Devin, Mike, thank you both for joining us today. Definitely. Thanks for having us. Uh, look forward to coming back for another uh, In the Weeds segment. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you, Aaron and Tierney. This was, uh, this was a lot of fun. Wow. Always great to hear from Devin and Mike. I, I, I have a lot of respect for both of those gentlemen, and they do a fantastic job communicating what's going on with each of their you know, respective product lines. I'm, I'm so excited about the, the HVL coming out from BYD. We actually just got our first deliveries of that product. And for homeowners to have the option to build in increments of four kilowatt hours, it's just going to provide a lot of flexibilities. Homeowners will be able to create massive systems to support days and days of off-grid use if they needed to in an emergency. It's very, very exciting. Yeah, one of the things that this uh, product pairing offers is, um, you know, the ability to outsize that system. Like we were talking about California earlier, a lot of our customers there are concerned about blackouts and brownouts in the summer, and this will help give them the peace of mind to sell to their homeowners and have those homeowners have the peace of mind that their home is going to be covered. Well, next up, I'm super excited about a conversation that we had with Enphase. They have an AC connected battery solution that is fantastic because it integrates into other solar energy solutions, just like any AC coupled uh, solution, but integrates especially well with existing Enphase systems, right? Of which there are many, many, many out there. And Aaron, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're kind of rebranding their battery system. So previously they were calling it the N-Charge and now they're kind of switching that up. So let's see what their, their new system has to offer. 
Okay, so today we're here with David Glickman and Ashley Martin Golis. They're both product marketing managers over at Enphase Energy, and they're here to tell us more about the Enphase Energy system. David and Ashley, welcome to Solar Tech Talk. Thanks so much for having us. We really appreciate you uh, inviting us to, to join. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're really excited to have you both here and to learn more about the Enphase Energy system. And, and that language may be a little bit new to folks who are familiar with um, Enphase Energy and Ensemble. Can you tell us a little bit more about what's behind the, this name change and what other product names were affected? So thank you for asking. We did recently launch the Enphase Energy System. And part of what some of the feedback that we got as part of the launch of the Energy System and IQ8 in October is to really help simplify some of our naming. So we talked to installers, we talked to current homeowners, we talked to potential uh, new homeowners that were going to buy systems. And we realized that we had a lot of names <laughs> and we had a lot of different names and it was getting confusing for folks. So this will be a transition definitely for those who have been our partners for years. There, there will be some transition in the name, for example, the notion of ensemble, which is different components of the Enphase uh, system coming together. We've renamed that the Enphase Energy System. It's really about helping build the brand of Enphase because the other thing that our distributor installer partners were just passionate about is like help, help get the word out about Enphase to consumers that we connect with who maybe haven't heard of the company before. Well, one of the ways you do that is you really focus on the core hero brand, if you will, which is in this case, Enphase. So you'll see, for example, our IQ microinverters, those are tried and true and we love that branding and naming around IQ. And so we'll talk about IQ8 in a moment. So you'll see those remain the same. But we're also trying to create some synergy here. So um, our battery, our home battery solutions are IQ batteries, because as you guys know, that has the IQ technology in it, uh, just as we have IQ um, seven and eights paired with solar panels. And so we're really trying to just simplify the naming process. It will take some time, especially with our partners, but we think over time, it really just simplifies for um, the, the next set of millions of homeowners that are interested in solar. So that, that's a little bit of the history of that. And we're working with our partners on our support sites and everything. We're, we're really, I think, pretty good about helping remind people of the, the, name, the name transition and what was the old name and what's the new name. And as we talk today, we'll, you'll hear us use the new names to kind of reinforce that, whether it's IQ battery or whether it's um, system controller instead of NPower. So you just think of it as the Enphase IQ system controller. So it's all rooted in Enphase and IQ. That sounds great. So as our listeners may know, I'm on more of the sales side. So I interact with our installers on a daily basis. I think that while this might be challenging initially to be like, oh, the ensemble is now this and the Empower is now that, the way that we solidify this language will help, like you were saying, it'll help make it easier as we go down the line. For example, we now have much more concise language. The Envoy is now the IQ gateway and the InCharge is now the IQ battery. Okay. So I'd really like to hear more about the overview of the whole system design. I mean, we've got some fun changes happening. What's going on there? Yeah. As you know, in October, we're super excited to announce that we're taking pre-orders for the IQ8 microinverter, the industry's first microgrid forming inverter. And I'll talk more about that in a moment. But you probably saw when we announced um, the availability of IQ8, we did it in the context of this notion of an Enphase energy system. 
And the reason for that is we're really trying to educate and help consumers understand how easy it is to think about the different solar options that are available. And in particular with IQ8, we now can do things that you can't do with any other system. So for those listening, um, definitely go to the website and especially in the homeowner section, we've created this design tool that basically maps out four configurations of an Enphase energy system. Now, installers and, and distributors definitely understand that you're going to tweak that depending on someone's needs in the home, but you'll You'll see on the website, these four configurations just make it really simple to understand what's differentiating um, about the Enphase Energy System, and in particular, what you're, what's available that you can't get with another system. So I'm going to just run through them really quickly. The first one's solar only, it's kind of what we're all used to in the industry, and that is I want panels on the home to um, capture the energy of the sun and, and convert it into to usable power in the home. Now, when you do that with IQ8, one of the beautiful things about IQ8 is you're getting our latest software programmable ASIC chip that allows you to grow as your needs grow. So that's solar only. The second is solar backup, and this is a first. So we all know this in the industry, but when you talk to people that are, that are new to solar and frankly, people who've bought solar systems, they don't realize that if the power goes out and the sun is shining and it's shining super bright, that their current system today does not provide any backup. It literally does not work. And we all know that, but a lot of consumers don't understand that. Well, that's what's amazing about sunlight backup. So for the first time, you can get a system that can power your home if there's an outage, right? We create a, an agnostic grid and you can power that home when there's sunlight without any home battery. Now, that's really powerful because it's an entry point for a lot of consumers who might not be ready for home batteries. For some others, battery storage is going to be important because they're going to be concerned about nighttime or they're worried if cloud cover comes and so forth. We've done, I think, some pretty smart things with sunlight backup to ensure that, for example, we have our installers include an essential loads solution. So that's an essential loads panel with our IQ load controller to ensure that it's just the um, lower power appliances that are part of sunlight backup. Why is that powerful? Because when there is an outage, and this actually happened literally the day we launched IQ8 and said that pre-orders were available in the San Francisco Bay Area, and then a few days later in Boston, both places had pretty major power outages because of storms. Both of those locations, the next day, massive sun, massive sunshine. Um, the, the storm passed through, yet people still didn't have power. And so we happened to post, you know, a lot of social activity at that point, right? We just launched. And it was pretty amazing to see comments because people were like, oh my God, I could use this like literally right now <laughs> because I have a home that doesn't have power and it's shining brightly. Um, and in fact, some people who have a current solar system that doesn't offer sunlight backup were reminded again that they've invested a lot of money in a solar system that is not working uh, when, when the power's out. So that's sunlight backup. Now, we fully realize that for some people, they're going to want more than that. They're going to want more resiliency, especially if they're in a situation where there's not a sun, lot of sunlight or, of course, when it's nighttime. So that's where the third and fourth configurations that we have come into play. Our third one, we call home essentials backup. And this is another first that IQ8 enables, which is with IQ8, we have virtually eliminated the ratio that you have between storage and solar panels historically, right? As we all know in, in, in the installer community, you have to always manage that ratio. Well, with IQ8 on the roof, you don't have to. So consumers can start with, and Ashley will talk a little bit more about um, our IQ batteries, but can start with a battery as low as our IQ3 or 3T battery. 
And so again, another entry point for consumers who are looking at the continuum of affordability and approachability for a solar system. So those configurations two and three are unique to Enphase energy system. You can't do that with other, other systems out there. And we're just super excited about that. And then the fourth is full energy independence. And that's the one that I think a lot of our partners have installed and, and homeowners have, which is I really want to have full resiliency. Like I want to maximize my savings, but I also want to be ready for an extended power outage. So I'm willing and excited to invest in, you know, more home battery, home battery solutions or, or more capacity. So, so that gives you a little bit of an overview of how the technology part translates to real world everyday scenarios for homeowners. We're really trying to focus on that. So people understand how these different configurations can help them, um, think about the solar solution that's right for them. That's so awesome. I'm really excited. I think about your solution number two, especially with the microgrid forming. I think that's going to be really revolutionary. Like you were saying, people who have solar on their homes don't necessarily know that they can't draw from that when there's an outage. And that's just going to completely change the game. One of the things that we've debated or just talked about internally is, you know, with sunlight backup, it does require some education, right? You have to help people understand that you're not going to be able to power your your whole home. You're not going to be able to turn on your AC necessarily for an extended period of time, or maybe not at all. But what we found when we've kind of tested this this concept with people is they kind of get it. They're like, you know what, if there's a power outage, the number one thing is I don't want my food to spoil. Okay, well, with sunlight backup, that works pretty well because we can get power to the refrigerator. If a cloud cover comes because the storm is passing through, you'll lose power to the refrigerator for a while. But when that sun comes back on, it's going to recool the refrigerator. So if we, if we, we've all had those experiences where it's like, don't open the refrigerator because we have no power. This alleviates that. And, and in talking to consumers, like that is probably one of the number one concerns for a lot of homeowners in an outage is I just want the freezer and refrigerator to not spoil all the food. And that sunlight backup is a great solution for that. And in addition, you can, you know, power your phone, turn on a fan, um, those types of things. And so for the for the third and fourth configurations that you describe, that's that's kind of either a small battery add-on or a larger battery add-on um, that's required to uh, get a customer to to those solutions. Ashley, can you tell us a little bit more about the the in-phase battery? I mean, David mentioned that there used to be a um, a ratio that needed to be um, adhered to when folks were installing the um, in-phase battery or the IQ battery, excuse me, um, alongside IQ7 microinverters that were already installed or newly installed. And, and now that's no longer a factor. Maybe for anyone who wasn't aware of that ratio, just give us a quick rundown of what it was um, and where folks can learn more and then tell us about the new solution and how it's different and how that's not a relevant factor anymore. So for uh, our batteries, formerly called N-Charge, we're now calling them IQ batteries. And we have two sizes and two capacities for four different batteries. So those are the IQ battery three and 10 and the 3T and 10T. So the 3T and 10T are, are new and they just joined our lineup. They are thinner and lighter than our prior generation. So if you're looking to you know, fit into a, a tight space, like inside of a garage, a 3T or a 10T might work better for your specific situation. Um, and they have the same great technology inside IQ8 
we've practically eliminated that ratio between, between solar and battery. So it used to be that there were sort of like formulas and guidelines to suggest, okay, if you have this much power on the roof, you need to make sure that your battery or, you know, it is sized, you know, at least this big. And now with IQ8, you know, you can start with that uh, home essentials um, configuration where you maybe only have one IQ battery, three or 10, or sorry, three or three T which powers just like your essentials, like we talked about a second ago, lights, fridge, Wi-Fi, et cetera. Or you can add multiple batteries all the way up to 40 kilowatt hours. And, you know, we really want to make sure that our installers and homeowners have choice and flexibility to create the right system for them. One of the coolest things about IQ Battery is that it's it's modular and you can really grow over time. So if you've got, you know, a homeowner with an existing IQ7 setup, they can add IQ batteries, you know, start small or add more over time. Um, and that that's true for all of our homeowners, right? You can you can always come back and add more capacity as your needs grow. That's so cool. So one thing is coming up, a question that I'm having. We have IQ7 that's being launched in parallel or, you know, that's that's still here as the IQ8 is being launched. Will we be able to mix and match these inverters on the job? What's that going to look like from our installer's perspective? Yeah, great question. I'm glad you asked it, Tierney. So IQ8 and IQ7 on the roof are, are separated. So we're not, you're not able to mix and match, but it you are bringing up a good point, which is for installers, you can maintain or keep going with IQ7 if that's filling the need. So for example, if you think about those configurations, especially configuration four, in essence, you can do that with either IQ7 or IQ8. If you do that with IQ7, you are beholden to some of the ratios that exist between panels and IQ batteries. And in that case, we have, we have documentation on the support site that provides really good information and tools to understand those ratios. So for IQ7 installations, that's really important. For IQ8, as Ashley mentioned, we've virtually eliminated that with the latest version of the microinverter. So it makes it easier. I would also throw in that our IQ system controller 2 and IQ combiner 4 and 4C work with IQ8 and are also backwards compatible with our prior generations of IQ microinverters. Oh, that's good news. Yeah, lots of opportunity for folks to, to find ways to expand systems then. So I, I wanted to make sure that everyone walks away with a clear understanding of what components are going to be required for each of those scenarios that, that we just talked through. You know, I think solar only is probably familiar to most people. You need the microinverters, you need an Envoy. Maybe that's Envoy is going to be located in a combiner box. Um, Envoy is now the IQ gateway. Nice. Okay, thank you. <laughs> uh, we didn't even set that up. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, so for the solar only solution, it, you know, it's the components that folks are aware of. It's the IQ gateway. It's the, it's the IQ inverters. What about for sunlight backup, home essentials backup, and then the full energy independence? What's the difference in the, in the SKUs that are required for those applications? For the sunlight backup, the big thing that's required, and this is what Ashley talked about, is the system, IQ system controller too. For those that's previously known as NPower and the system controller two is required for sunlight backup. That's that's part of the magic piece of this, right? So that's allowing us to seamlessly switch on and off the grid if, if the grid goes out. In addition for sunlight backup, and I talked briefly about this earlier, but let's go deeper on it because Aaron, it's a good question and a really important one for sunlight backup, which is we are requiring 
installers to implement an essential load solution. So what we mean by an essential load solution, it's first of all, an essential loads panel. So what we want to do in a sunlight backup situation is we want to make sure we're isolating the um, larger power required appliances so that in that sunlight backup scenario where it is sun and then the shade comes in, we don't want the system to try to be powering the whole house um, because we're, we're really focused on making that customer experience as powerful and as expected as possible. That's one component. I think component. that makes a lot of sense. Sorry to interrupt. I think that yeah. makes a lot of sense because I know like if you know, you're going about your daily job and you don't necessarily know that the power went out because you've got this seamless solution going on. And then all of a sudden you like put your clothes in the dryer and you try to flip that switch. That's going to divert all the energy that needs to go to your fridge or power your laptop. If you're working from home like this girl, but the solution, this essential load solution will kind of force that reset. So only those essential loads are powered. That's awesome. Yeah. I, we spent a lot of time on that one. Um, I'm smiling because we had a lot of internal like scenario planning and playing out the details and is, should this be required? And we, and we realize it really needs to be. And, and that's in, for the benefit of first and foremost installers so that we're helping you set the right expectations for sunlight backup. And then, you know, maybe equally important for the consumer experience. So it's just a really, really good consumer experience. So yeah, you hit it on the head. Like that's the key with sunlight backup is the essential load solution, which is a panel plus our um, IQ load controller, which we can talk more about. I think most of the installer community probably knows about it, but we have some fun news about that that, that Ashley can cover. So that's the first two um, configurations. And then maybe Ashley, you can cover the, the second two. It's pretty simple. It's just a one, one, ad, <laughs> one ad there, if you will. Yeah, for the later two configurations, the difference is a battery. Cool. <laughs> Super easy. One, one thing we should say for this community, you know, community of listeners is that really configuration three and four, what we're just trying to do is educate the consumer and help an installer with the, the sales process, if you will, that, hey, now with IQ8, you can get started with battery, home batteries at a lower price point. It's more accessible, right? Mm -hmm. With that 3T. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, configuration three and configuration four are the same configuration from a technical standpoint. It's just that we now, because we've eliminated, virtually eliminated that ratio, you can now start earlier and then go up to 40. Everybody's on a continuum. And so you just choose the right solution for you. Yeah, that, that flexibility and being able to meet your customers where they're at with their consumption, where they're at with their budget in terms of, you know, what they'd like to be able to do with their PV system is, is just so powerful. So David mentioned that there's a kind of new component for folks who are familiar with the Enphase solution. That's the IQ load controller. Let's dig into that a little bit more. Ashley, what can you tell us about the IQ load controller? What functionality does that bring to the Enphase energy system? And when are folks going to find themselves in need of an IQ load controller? So we introduced our load control technology a few months back in the app. And that allows consumers to prioritize um, their essential loads, especially if there's an outage. Uh, at that time, we had, you know, sort of like a list of equipment for installers to sort of like field assemble. And so now we also offer the ability to pre-order a kit from us, the IQ load controller, um, that'll be easy to install. It has a, you know, an enclosure that matches with the rest of our equipment as well. The, the load control technology really puts the power in the palm of the homeowner's hand to, to choose which loads they want to turn off so that they can really extend the life of their battery or in the case of sunlight only or sunlight backup to make sure that their most essential loads are the ones that are the ones that get power. 
You guys, I'm getting goosebumps. It's like the future is here. Mm. Microgrids, we've got <laughs> the ability to control everything. This is so exciting. We're, we're equally excited. And for those who go to the website, which which had this refresh in October, especially for that, that homeowner conversation, in addition to the, to the four configurations that we talked about, you'll see that the app is front and center. So the Enphase app, again, simplifying a bit, just the Enphase app. We're making that front and center because if you think about each of us as consumers these days, you know, like most of our activity, we're on these phones for better or for worse. And we're controlling more and more and more. We're controlling a lot of things in our home um, with that app. And so, you know, we're continually, we have a lot of effort with our, our software and services team, just a tremendous amount of effort of making sure that that app experience is world-class. And in particular, there's so much you can control. Ashley was talking about with load controller, you access that through the app. The ability, obviously, to monitor the energy consumption in a live view, as well as over time, look at production of indiv at the individual panel level with one tap pick, do I want to maximize savings? Do I want to maximize saving battery capacity because I'm worried about resiliency? Like doing all that from one app, we've elevated that in the conversation with prospective customers. So they really understand that in their hand, they can make, use, save, and sell your own power. And so just helping homeowners see that that all that power is in the palm of your hands, right? Like that's that's great. I have been really looking forward to the day when we can say that virtual power plants are a real thing. They're actually providing solutions to utilities that are offsetting the need for things like gas peaker plants and other less sustainable solutions. And what we're hearing is that day is is coming up really fast. It's it's basically now on um, you know, folks within their communities to be pushing their representatives and pushing their utilities towards programs that incorporate solutions like virtual power plants that allow homeowners and system owners all over the region to aggregate the power that they're generating and use it to support utility functionality, making their investment even more powerful for them. So Ashley, I have a question for you. I know a lot of customers are kind of interested in the potential of adding a generator to their overall system, just in case, right? What does that look like? Can we do that with the, the new IQ battery system? Absolutely, you can. So, you know, uh, folks have been buying generators for a long time, especially in certain areas if they have a lot of grid outages. And we now allow you to integrate an AC home standby generator into your Enphase energy system. What's cool about it is that the generator really joins the system. So you get access to your, your, your battery and your PV at the same time as your generator. And if the grid goes out or if your battery reaches a really low state of charge, we'll actually seamlessly bring the generator into the system. And so, you know, you won't even notice maybe that your generator has turned on because there's no glitches. You don't lose your Wi-Fi. You don't have to go reset your clocks around the house. The generator just joins the system. And because our solution is, you know, AC based, there's no limit to the amount of power that's um, available to the household. You get the, the, the full maximum capacity there. And it, you know, it really allows people, especially if you've had a generator for a while and you want to add, you know, cleaner sources of energy with solar, you know, you can now have with an Enphase energy solution, you can have both solar and batteries as well as a generator. Very cool. We're compatible with almost all AC home standby generators that are installed in the US today. And we do have Thanks. a list of, of compatible generators that we've tested and a list of criteria. So if, if the homeowner already has a generator and you want to see if it's the kind that would work with our system, we've got those criteria outlined as well. That's awesome. You guys have thought of everything. 
We're trying. We're trying. Well, David, Ashley, this has been so lovely chatting with you and learning more about the IQ battery system that you guys are launching and rebranding. I'm so excited about the four different options you have for installers and homeowners. Let me just make sure I got those again. That first option was solar specific, the sunlight backup microgridding solution. And then you have, you can add your battery and then you can go whole home backup. So we've got those four different options. Did I get them all? You did. You nailed it. Solar only, sunlight backup, home essentials backup. And then we call like go all in the full energy independence. Cool. We're here to help the installer and distributor community. So if there are things that we as a marketing organization and a product marketing organization could be doing better, please look in the in the show notes and there's an email there um, to reach out and give us feedback, uh, especially for those that are seeing some of the new materials and new ways we're talking about Enphase, whether it's on the website, whether it's with our Enphase brand library, which is available to our partners. Um, if there are things that you see that are working great, please tell us. If there are things that are missing and we should be doing a better job of, please tell us that as well. I always love chatting with those Enphase guys and they sure have a lot to say. It's so much fun to hear about the product changes and what's happening in the market. This is a great place to to nerd out. So Aaron, thanks again for inviting me to be a part of this. Yeah, we were so excited to have you. We really appreciate, you know, all of the effort and energy that it took. You know, there's a lot that happens behind the scenes that folks don't necessarily see. And what did you think? Did you have fun for your first time? Heck yeah. What better place to nerd out than with the Solar Tech Talk? 